KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. There are lots of challengers, lots of money, and just one incumbent in three races for the San Diego County Board of Supervisors. We look at the election and what's at stake for the three and a half million of us who live in San Diego County. I'm Jade Hindman. The KPBS Roundtable starts now. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Welcome to our discussion of the week's top stories. I'm Jade Hindman in for Mark Sauer. And joining me at the KPBS Roundtable today are Chris Genowine from The Times of San Diego, Steve Walsh of KPBS News, and Charles Clark from the San Diego Union Tribune. Welcome to all of you. Thanks, good to be here. So just five people make up the San Diego County Board of Supervisors. They are responsible for a budget of almost six and a half billion dollars for public health, mental health, fire and police, transportation, parks, libraries, and a whole lot more. The board was essentially the same for decades. Four or five Republicans, many there for years, joined occasionally by one Democrat, but term limits passed overwhelmingly in 2010 are changing the board's political makeup. Three seats are on the ballot this year, starting with District 1. Chris, you know, tell us where is District 1, what are the demographics, and what are the politics? Well, it's, uh, it starts in uh, Point Loma and downtown San Diego and stretches along the coast down to the border and then to the east to Ote, um, to Ote Mountain. It is a largely uh, Hispanic area. It has the highest percentage of Hispanic residents. It completely encompasses the cities of Coronado, Imperial Beach, um, National City, and of course Chula Vista. It's really the passing of an era there because uh, Greg Cox has represented the district as supervisor for a quarter of a century. That seems an immense amount of time for any elected uh, official to hold office. And during that period, his wife Cheryl was mayor of, uh, of Chula Vista. So the Cox name has had uh, is a very well-known one, and the Coxes have had a big impact on that on that area. It's also a race that's been in turmoil. Uh, early on, David Alvarez, the former city council member, was perceived to be the front runner. He announced his candidacy, was raising money. He then dropped out. Uh, Rafael Castellano, the uh, port commissioner and former candidate for San Diego. Um, uh, uh, city attorney uh, has then uh, then became sort of uh, the impromptu uh, uh, or the um, uh, the front runner for all intents and purposes. And then we had a late entrant uh, with a lot of name recognition, Ben Hueso, state senator. Um, he uh, is not termed out. He could say as state senator another two years to the end of 2022, but he's looking at this as an interesting challenge. Uh, and also very well known, Nora Vargas, who is the board chair for the Southwestern Community College uh, District. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Greg Cox, who is termed out. He's held a seat for uh, 20 years. Um, what was his tenure like and where were his, his accomplishments made there? Uh, he, uh, he really put a lot of effort into um, 
uh, economic development, also uh, recreation and park development. Uh, one of the reasons there's the, the large parks in that area is, I think, due to, uh, to, to his efforts. He is a Republican, but perceived very much as a moderate Republican, uh, and interestingly has voted with Nathan Fletcher over the last, uh, over the last, two, last year uh, on a number of key issues uh, that have affected the county as a whole. Um, the district is going to go Democratic, there's, because all the candidates are, de are Democrats, although it's, it's nominally nonpartisan. But in some ways, it'll be, he's already sort of made that move with his moderate approach. So what are the big issues in the district? Uh, big issue right now, of course, is the sewage from Tijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things that is part of the USMCA agreement is some money to really attack that issue. You know, we've had beach closures uh, almost all the way up to Coronado many times. The Navy has uh, had some concerns about the SEALs practicing and the surf out there. Uh, that's a big issue. Um, Nora Vargas has raised health care. You know, our, 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 is that part of uh, San Diego County getting the right kinds of services? And then there is, it's on the border. So there are issues about immigration and trade that come up from time to time. And we have a couple of clips of candidates talking about the, the issues that they are actually concerned about. Here's Rafael Castellano is talking about enrollment in county programs. We need to prioritize this in the budget, and that really comes down to making sure that we have the right number of people, that they're not burnt out, that they're properly staffed, working on helping to enroll people into these programs. You know what, Charles, it sounds like he feels South County is not being treated fairly by the county. Is that true? I mean, that's absolutely the sense that you get from people out there. And I think most of the candidates, they kind of attest to it, that they have this sense of being kind of the forgotten ones and a lot of the shuffle that goes on with the county. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely a, a high priority issue that you're coming up. Sure. You know, now here's a, we've got a, a clip here from Nora Vargas, who is uh, more concerned about air pollution than she is that uh, sewage flowing up from Tijuana. Take a listen. Get, make more people out of their cars, but we can't do that unless we have better transportation, right? We have to make sure that we create initiatives. Like, I really do believe that everybody should be able to ride a bus for free. Yeah, there's a thought. Free bus rides. I know some places like Kansas City have done that, and it's been tossed around. NPS is, is considering it. Um, it's um, also on the, uh, another thing under consideration is the new, is a new purple line from the border into Kearney Mesa, but uh, lately, I've been hearing that there's perhaps more interest in free bus than building another trolley line. Interesting. Now, you know, we don't have a clip from the third candidate, Ben Hueso, because he declined to speak to us. Uh, Charles, do we know why he is making uh, the jump to local government? I mean, uh, he's not termed out of state yet. You know, to be honest, it's not absolutely clear. I have to say, of all the candidates running, he's been the one who's been I think we can all comfortably say the least aggressive, certainly compared to Raphael and Nora. Uh, I would venture a guess that part of it, I would think, is that, you know, out in the state assembly, you're one small fish in a very, very big pond where if one of five supervisors, you can make a much bigger impact. And it's also not, not clear um, what his next step would be if he stays at the state senate. I mean, does he, does he go for one of the posts like secretary or... Uh, or something like that, insurance commissioner, probably not. And maybe he sees a future um, uh, here. He's, he's a, a very interesting guy. He's a history buff. Uh, he was um, one of the, uh, he was a volunteer in building the replica of the San Salvador for the Maritime Museum. Um, mm. Castellano is a very interesting background as well. Uh, son of immigrants, first in his family to go uh, to college. Uh, and 
He, he went to the, the Arizona State, uh, but then got a scholarship to the Univers University of Chicago to study law. Uh, that's where he earned his degree. He studied under, of all people, Barack Obama. And you know, I'm hearing uh, a lot about pollution. Um, is there a candidate that is, is talking about collaboration across the border to address some of the environmental concerns in this race? Well, Vargas has certainly said that diplomacy may be the best way to proceed, proceed on this. Um, the, um, uh, on the other hand, Castellanos, because, because of his involvement as a port commissioner, has been, has been active in things like that as well. Because the, you know, the port being a, uh, a government agency that has uh, responsibility across many cities and with the Navy, um, you know, he certainly is, is part, looks at that approach as well. And, you know, uh, Chris, issues like air pollution, as we mm. mentioned, um, uh, water pollution, health care, uh, are all concerns for um, voters in the district. Uh, Senator Waso spent a lot of energy uh, to put uh, together a, uh, a bill mm. that many say would make it more difficult for people to access records about these things. Mm. Um, do you think that that is something that struck the right tone, something that voters of D1 uh, need? It's, and it's how has it impacted his Well, it's, it's complex. So um, if, you're a, if you're a political wonk, if you're someone like me who's really fascinated with this stuff, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a negative. Um, I'm not sure that that translates uh, across the district when it comes to actual uh, uh, voting. Um, I mean, right now, the, the two names you're going to hear the most, or I, I think most of us would agree, would be Castellanos and Hueso, mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent, Vargas. And uh, when we're talking about support, let's talk uh, campaign money. It's been rolling in in this race, right? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's been coming in you know, awfully heavy, especially over the past year here, even a little bit before that. Uh, Raphael has overwhelmingly led the pack, uh, generating about you know, $350,000 just in the course of the past year. Uh, he's actually followed by Vargas, who's outraised Hueso to this point, which I think is more of a testament to also Hueso not really aggressively campaigning, mm -hmm. but she's raised about $220,000. Uh, he's closely behind at about 210000 Yeah, and and first of all, the, this, this figure, it shows funds raised in just the last six months. It doesn't indicate um, how much money each candidate has raised or even has to spend, right? Correct, correct. Okay, all right, but yeah, as we can see, District 1, Castellanos uh, taking the lead there. Um, so, so a lot of money running, rolling in. Uh, what else stands out in this race to you, Chris? Um, the, the, the passing of an era um, from sort of moderate Republican to um, more progressive uh, de Democrat. And I, I, think the, I think the entire um, Board of Supervisors in this election, it, this began with, uh, with Fletcher and uh, to a certain extent even with, uh, uh, with uh, the uh, predecessor of um, Kristen Gaspar in the, th in, uh, the third district. But Dave, this is really gonna be a, a significant Dave change. Roberts. Dave Roberts. Mm -hmm. This is gonna be a significant change. Uh, we are at very least going to end, end up with two, two Democrats and po po possibly three. Mm. Any polling yet? Not that I'm aware of, uh, although the sense I've gotten from talking to people is definitely that, as yeah. Chris mentioned, Raphael is considered kind of the guy everyone's expecting to be the top vote getter. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it's probably a bit closer with Nora and Ben Hueso mm -hmm. than a lot of us probably anticipate, just given she's been really aggressively out in the community and I've kind of gotten the sense that he's kind of writing his name ID. Um, We'll see if that's effective, especially as she starts to use some of this money here, because you know, what else is she gonna do with it if she doesn't pour it in now? There we yeah. go, something we'll keep an eye on. All right, we'll move on to uh, District 3. You know, unlike District 1, the third supervisorial district 
has on occasion been represented by a Democrat. Four years ago, it was Dave Roberts, as we mentioned, who was replaced by Kristen, Republican Kristen Gaspar. Uh, Gaspar ran for Congress and lost and now is fighting to keep her county seat. Uh, Steve, start by telling us about District 3, if you will. Uh, tell me, you know, where is it and, and uh, what are the politics like? Sure. So District 3 runs from Solana Beach up the coast uh, to Encinitas and then up the 15 from the 8 all the way up to once reliably Escondido reliably Republican Escondido. Gasper won a narrow victory last time around uh, over incumbent Dave Roberts, uh, the Democrat who was involved in a personal scandal. The third district is seen as the real swing vote here. Um, there are five districts up for election. The second is still really heavily Republican. The first district is now leans very heavily uh, Democratic. Uh, so then the third becomes kind of the swing district here. Also, Gaspar is the only incumbent here. Uh, but even the third district is starting to lean uh, uh, Democratic. Overall, if you look at voter registration, there are, what, 130,000 registered Democrats to 105 registered Republicans. Even in Escondido, uh, which is the most Republican-leaning community in the, in the entire district, uh, Democrats still hold a 1,000-vote advantage over Republicans. Uh, and it's, it also has a large-growing uh, uh, Latino population, which is indicative of the district. Sure, definitely a shift there. Uh, tell me a little bit more about those who are challenging Kristen for her seat. All right, so we have Olga Diaz. She's the first Latina elected to the Escondido City Council. She's been on the council for uh, 12 years. Um, she's also uh, the interim dean of counseling at the Palomar Community College. And then we have Tara Lawson-Reamer. She's a professor at UC San Diego. She's an economist and former member of the Obama administration. And uh, she founded the Flip the 49th campaign, which is what led to uh, Mike Levin taking over in, in that district in the last time around. Uh, but this is the first time she would actually be running herself for office. And, you know, there's this shift that you alluded to earlier happening in District 3. Uh, it used to be reliably Republican. That's not the case in places like Escondido. Um, why is that not the case anymore? What's happening? Again, so uh, graphic, uh, demographically, we're seeing a large uh, Latino population. At one point, Escondido was a farm community. And then over the years, uh, as uh, people uh, searched for for more, you know, uh, less expensive housing. They moved toward in to, uh, that third district. Uh, so now it's this thriving, essentially bedroom community, uh, highly developed and increasingly democratic. Um, also interesting to note, the San Diego County Democratic Party has said the District 3 race is the most important race in the 2020 uh, because they want democratic control on the Board of Supervisors. The party, however, uh, did not make an endorsement in this race for the primary. How are the two Democrats, at least, differentiating themselves? So neither candidate received enough votes to receive the actual endorsement of the party. You know, some of this is just a matter of degree. Now, uh, each supports doing more uh, to stem the county's homeless population. We have some 8,000 uh, homeless people in San Diego County. The county has been accused of not doing enough to dip into its reserves to, to uh, help that problem. And um, both would be more aggressive on climate change. Uh, San Diego's county, their climate action plan has been uh, challenged in, in court more than once at this point. And, and, you know, Gaspar may have developed some negatives over the last uh, several years. Um, key among them, two appearances in Washington with President Trump to uh, promote his immigration stance. And, you know, the video, um, still images of her sitting at a table with Trump and rural sheriffs, I don't think that goes over very well with the, with the coastal community. Might work a little bit better in Escondido, 
but, but I think that's going to be a negative for her. And so then that puts the two uh, Democrats at the forefront. Um, here is a clip from Olga Diaz talking about her priorities. Take a listen. Three things that have resonated in this mm -hmm. campaign have been uh, solving homelessness, chronic homelessness. I want to work on that. Climate change. The county has a climate action plan that has been legally uh, deficient uh, twice in court. It's been thrown out. We really need to overhaul our climate action plan to meet greenhouse gas emission uh, standards and uh, housing in general. And then uh, let's hear from Tara Lawson Reamer. She's talking about her number one priority, which is climate change. Let's take a listen. I believe that we should be at the forefront with a bold climate action plan that is the best in the country, maybe the best in the world, that we should be leading the charge on that and not uh, chasing our tails um, and certainly not paying out uh, taxpayer money to do nothing, which is what we've been doing so far. So, you know, you hear it, homelessness, housing, climate change, they seem to be the focus um, for the candidates. You know, are their approaches to addressing these chronic issues uh, different from each other or do they parallel? Well, you know, it's a, it, some of it is a question of degree. Uh, Olga Diaz wants to facilitate development in urban areas by, by streamlining the, uh, the approval process for, for housing and uh, maybe even identify uh, public parcels that can be used for affordable housing. Um, she wants to encourage large scale em employers to build housing uh, for its own, em their own employees. Uh, she, she says she wants to make Escondido's climate uh, change plan uh, uh, the most ambitious in the region. And on homelessness, she wants to, uh, she favors uh, adding emergency beds and expanding social services. Now, Tara Lawson-Reamer, again, as she, you saw in the clip, um, she wants the county to have basically the gold standard of climate change plans. Uh, some of the ideas include uh, uh, building more affordable housing near, near public transit, and then any carbon offsets that uh, are required of developers. She wants those projects done inside of San Diego County. And on, on homelessness, she wants to decriminalize homelessness by uh, trying to divert more people away from the county jail into, into social services. Hmm. Now, Chris, any idea uh, whether Gaspar's losing race for Congress against Mike Levin two years ago hurt her? I mean, she'd only been uh, on the Board of Supervisors for two years at that point. I think, I think people were surprised that she made, uh, she, she entered that race. Um, and in the end, she was one of uh, four pretty well-known Republicans. Of course, there was Diane Harkey who came closest to uh, among the Republicans. There was Rocky Chavez, very well known in the area, and then Brian uh, Mayotte, uh, I'm mispronouncing the name, who's the mayor of, um, of San Juan Capistrano and is uh, running again against Mike Levin. I don't think that hurt her. I think, I think if anything, it just caused puzzlement. I, I do think, it's, I do think the, um, her um, support for Trump's immigration policies are gonna, certainly going to hurt her with the coastal community. So you have to imagine yeah. that the fact that she didn't actually do very well in that race yeah. didn't help her case at right. all. She didn't mm -hmm. come out of that looking like a rock star. Mm -hmm. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Well, that, on my, that in mind, we are going to move on to District 2. Uh, you know, and now to District 2, it spans 2,000 square miles from the southern border north to Julian, from the Imperial County west to San Diego State. Uh, 
Diane Jacob, who, like Greg Cox, is terming out, has held the seat since 1992. Um, Charles, uh, you know, tell me, this is the race you've been closely following. Um, it's a heavily Republican district, so it's no surprise the two top candidates are Poway Mayor uh, Steve Voss uh, and, and then the former state senator Joel Anderson. But this race has echoes of the 2015 race for this seat, where the local GOP supported Anderson over the incumbent Jacob. Um, what was going on there? Yeah, you know, I mean, so full disclosure, I wasn't here for sure, that yeah. <laughs> go of it. But from what I understand, you know, the local GOP kind of got the sense that maybe Diane was on her way out the door and that they could scare her off by putting a huge influx of cash into uh, Joel Anderson's kind of supervisorial account just before we actually passed new laws that put limits on how much you could contribute. The thing was, and I think anyone who knows Diane can attest to this, she very rarely backs down from a fight, if ever. Uh, and if anything, she just went on a huge fundraising kick where she raised like 500 grand in just a couple of months to really kind of stamp out any challenge immediately. Interesting. Chris, what do you remember about that? Well, you know, she, um, she has very much an independent streak. I think people say that of her. And um, it, it most recently was visible just in the last week uh, with a, an endorsement of Barbara Brief for mayor in San Diego. Um, not, an, not an endorsement of Scott Sherman, who's the one Republican who's, in, who's a top, the top level in the, in the race. And um, I think to a certain extent, the party perceives her as simply being too independent. Hmm. Joel Anderson, though, um, has had kind of a difficult time also. Um, you know, after he finished in the state Senate, um, he was looking for a safe position on the Board of Equalization. And by all, everybody thought that was he was a shoe-in for that. But in <laughs> fact, it was uh, Mike Schaefer, uh, a city councilman from the 1960s, who is now the oldest constitutional officer um, in California. Uh, part of the Democratic wave. Yeah. Now, you know, Voss was endorsed by Jacob Anderson by the county GOP. So uh, what platform is Voss campaigning on right now? Well, you know, uh, he obviously is huge and instrumental in transit and what transit's going to look like over the next you know, decade here. He's been the head of Sandag. He's still very much involved with that. He had his fingerprints all over that whole brouhaha we had over the past few months over it. Yes. Uh, so that's definitely instrumental. He's also obviously running on his very strong fiscal record in Poway, uh, as well as just frankly, you know, he's got a reputation as someone who's very, very approachable. And I think that goes a long way, especially in that district where Diane Jacobs say what people will about her. She is one of the most approachable, I think, elected officials you find. She's always doing coffees with constituents. I think that goes a long way. Um, when you look at Joel Anderson, you know, a lot of what he kind of talked about were, again, roads, obviously huge in East County, uh, but also housing and homelessness. Those were two of the big things he really uh, focused on, at least, you know, since he kicked off his campaign as well as job creation. Mm. And of course, Voss hit a snag uh, with the whole fiasco with the water in Poway. How has that impacted his support? So, to be frank, I, I don't think it's had too much of an impact. I, I think given the context of how that came up and how it kind of got amplified as an issue, it definitely had some political trappings to it, mm -hmm. given that there were some Anderson supporters who helped amplify mm -hmm. it. And also, to be frank, I think that, you know, if he didn't have Diane's support, that might be a bigger issue. I think when you have someone like that who can vouch for your character in that district, one slip up isn't going to be the end of it. Also, lest we forget, he obviously was really showed leadership qualities with the shooting in Poway. Yeah, that really stood out. I mean, he, he was almost a national figure for a while because of that. And um, 
you know, he was an extremely reassuring presence, and the people will remember that, and I think in a good way. No, and then I ended up covering that, and not only reassuring, but a constant presence. Yeah. I, you mm. could find him outside um, talking to people mm. and then making himself available to reporters around the world. Right. And uh, to young, to young, younger voters who remember his uh, music, um, that uh, you know he's a uh, he's a he's a Grammy-winning uh, country music um, artist, but focused on children's music. Right. Uh, you know, and even though this is a heavily Republican district, there is a Democrat running, Kenya Taylor. Uh, what can you tell me about her? So Kenya is, you know, a mental health or marriage and family therapy counselor. Uh, she's had a lot of work in the mental health services. That's a big and kind of the instrumental part of kind of her campaign is focusing on what the county can be doing to deliver more services. She's actually worked with the county and I believe Diane Jacob before on a few different uh, mental health issues. She's also involved with the NAACP. Uh, I think the challenge for her, just frankly, is that it, it didn't seem like the Democratic Party put much effort, if any, into mm -hmm. that race. So she's really struggled to raise funds. Uh, and I think when you have two really well-known names out there like Steve Oss and Joel Anderson, mm -hmm. especially when there's not gonna be the party identification on the ballot, they really needed to help her out. And I'm not sure she quite has uh, the means to amplify her message. Does her candidacy, though, indicate any shift in that district? I, I think to a degree. I mean, it's funny because I think everyone just assumes that it's the most conservative district, which I guess demographically it is slightly, mm -hmm. um, but it's a lot more competitive than people realize. I mean, there's about 121,000 registered Democrats and 134,000 registered Republicans. You know, if you ran a candidate out there who had more means and maybe a bit more name ID, I know one of the hypotheticals people like to throw around before he announced he was going for the 50th again was Amar Kampanajar, right? Someone who had already sure. campaigned in that area. I think this would get to be a really, really interesting race. Right. Um, I just don't know if they have the bench out there to do that. You know, I'm curious from all of you, um, you know, there, there are chronic problems in each district that, that no district seems to be immune from, whether it's climate change, uh, housing, homelessness. Are you guys hearing anything from any of the candidates um, that would stand out? Any solutions that would materialize? Or will we be having these same discussions uh, next election cycle? I think these are very difficult problems. Housing is something that you hear um, a lot from all of the candidates, and you know whether it's more infill housing, whether it's um, you know whether it's uh, uh, allowing more uh, more building in rural areas in, in opposition to Measure A. Um, that's become such an such an issue. Uh, it's interesting in District One, Castellanos, of course, is a real estate attorney, and as um, and so I think housing will end up being something he looks at as well. All right, I, we have to close it out on that. Hey, yeah. I sure appreciate it, you guys. Yeah. That wraps up another week of stories at the KPBS Roundtable. I'd like to thank our guests, Chris Genuine from The Times of San Diego, KPBS reporter Steve Walsh, and Charles Clark from the San Diego Union Tribune. A reminder, all of the stories we discussed today are available on our website, kpbs.org. I'm Jade Hindman in for Mark Sauer. Thanks for joining us today on The Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.